On this week's episode of the Games Beat Decides podcast, we talk about Apex Legends, the Nintendo Direct, and Activision, making us all socialists. I'm back, baby. It's the internet, you're busy, let's do this. Welcome to the Games Beat Decides podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. This is the podcast where we decide everything about the world of video games so you don't have to think for yourself. With me is... Mike Minotti. Hey. We also have... Rowan Kaiser. All right. Uh, today's episode, we're going to go over some news. we got some games, a lot of news. I mean, just games are coming out. It's kind of wild. Uh, first, though, I want to thank everybody for joining us. You can get more from all three of us at gamesbeat.com. If you have something to share with us, you can email the podcast at gamespluspodcast.venturebeat.com. Uh, if you're listening to this on the website, you can get the uh, audio version as a subscription uh, by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, there's also an RSS feed if you need that. Uh, if you like the show, you should rate us on Ap- Apple Podcasts because it helps people find the show. And finally, thank you to Carlos Ayin, who is insane in the rain music on YouTube for the use of our theme song. All right. So, uh, yeah, like I said, a lot of games are coming up, uh, coming out right right now. Today, I think, is the day where most of them are coming out. Like, we got Metro Exodus. We have... Um, kind of uh, Anthem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kind of Anthem. Uh, Far Cry New Dawn. Uh, I feel like there's one I'm forgetting. There's Crack a bunch down? of games that just... Crackdown Crack Crack today, yeah. Crack, Crackdown 3, the one I'm forgetting, yeah. Uh, yesterday, the Civ 6 expansion. Yeah, Civ what? 6 expansion. That's out? Yeah. Damn, I want to play like, that. Games have been coming out too. Like Apex Legends came out, Tetris ninety nine kind of, you know, stealth launched on us as well. Another stealth um, battle royale launch out of nowhere, um, and we'll kind of kind of talk about many of these. We were going to get Dean on here to talk about a couple of them. Uh, we were going to get Jason even on uh, to talk about Metro Exodus, but they're either sick or you know having computer issues, of course. Uh, so we're going to start somewhere else. Let's see. You know what, Rowan? We should probably start with you. Apex Legends. I mean, I know all these games are coming out, but this still feels like the biggest game in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, it came out stealth launched, like, what, a week ago? That's right, yeah. I think we're, like, Uh, day 10 or something, day 12, maybe? Yeah, and suddenly it's got 25 million players, and this is kind of an amusing story because uh, Respawn's last game, Titanfall 2, came out in between two other EA shooters and kind of got drowned by them. But now this game comes out, and it's right before Anthem, and it might do the same to that. But I guess we'll see about that in the next week. But regardless, it's suddenly one of the biggest games in the world, and uh, I think it's getting a lot of people like me who have struggled with the Battle Royale games into... Uh, that genre, or it's you know doing the things that we have wanted from that. So um, it's colorful, it's charming, it's legit a good game. The guns mm-hmm. feel great, as one would expect from Respawn. Uh, so yeah, this is this is uh, probably one of the big games of the year, at least. Game rules. Yeah, you, you're saying it's uh, it's getting you in where the other games didn't. Uh, is it just about just being higher quality? Um, it's. It's the uh, 
the sort of hero-based nature of it, I think, that's uh, helping mm-hmm. me, because there are a lot of things that you can do to support your team with the, the legends in the game. Like, I've been playing Bloodhound and succeeding with them a lot, where, you know, just giving the information that's local, even though I'm not the world's greatest Twitch shooter in my late 30s, apparently. Uh, this is not a uh, thing where I can compete with the teens on. Um, but, you know... When I play Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, I've just like I hide for twenty minutes and then someone shoots me, and that's pretty much the way that every game goes unless they shoot me immediately. Um, and this game, I feel like there's uh, a little more of a cushion for playing and succeeding in ways that are not simply how quickly I can move my mouse. I've resisted the comparison to Overwatch, but I, I think that actually is. A really, actually, well, really good point of comparison because yeah. Overwatch was a game I think a lot of people felt they could play when they couldn't play other Twitch shooters for many of the same reasons, right? It kind of reminds me, the hero dynamic is almost even more like not Blackout, but actual Call of Duty Black Ops 4, where everyone, like, they have the same guns and stuff, but then they each have, like, a, like a, a, an ability and then a super ability. It's It's mm-hmm. basically that. Yeah, it's, it definitely doesn't go all Overwatch with like character movement abilities. There's nobody like, like a, there's no hamster that like you know spins around. There's no character like every character still shoots people with guns. Right, but like, just what, just in terms of like making it accessible to more people, like uh, you would think like this is a fast paced shooter. I I have been watching Shroud play, you know, former Counter Strike pro, and he's dominating. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I, I don't think that means that like people are getting demolished every time they step into a game. Most people feel like they have a fighting chance, and I, I, it, and again, is that kind of what's helping you get through it, Rowan? Yeah, um, like I mean, Ed, it's also that because I can feel like I'm useful until I sort of get my my bearings in it that you know the first 10 15 levels that i was Mm -hmm. playing the game i got like one or two kills and now i'm getting a couple kills a game and winning games regularly or winning matches and uh yeah this is so it's it's also that it's inviting me to want to get its rhythms right and i'm not sure if that would be the case if i were to do player duns battlegrounds or Fortnite or one of the other ones but uh it is the case that that is happening with this one, and I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, I'm, Jeff, I'm, I'm trying kind of to... curious because you 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 basically poo pooed every battle royale that isn't PUBG. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, and this correct. one is made by your your beloved respawn. Uh, are Again, you correct. finally are you finally feeling this one? Is this finally the one that you're like, yeah, this is better than PUBG? I, okay, so <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but I, you know, so they're different, and they're very different, and. PUBG is going to be a different kind of game than when than what Respawn has made here with Apex Legends, and they should always be different. And they really like I could see Fortnite aping a lot of what Apex Legends is doing. I I don't expect don't necessarily want um, PUBG to suddenly try to even like do a lot of the communication f- like I, stuff. Like I don't want um, a, my other human played partner on my four person squad in PUBG uh, to have like their voice shout out, oh, I'm getting hit by a sniper rifle. And that's not my friend saying that. That's the computer saying that because it's trying to make, uh, it's trying to give me as much information as possible, which is something Apex Legends does. It's very good at it. And it's very good in that game. It's incredible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, but in PUBG, I kind of like, I want it to be sort of that thing where, you know what? No, you do have to learn it. You should be learning what the sounds of the guns are for yourself. That's part of this experience. And I'm okay with that. I want it to stay that way. Um, and, and then, you know, a, you know, Apex Legends, it can get pretty tense, can get pretty scary, but still nothing quite matches PUBG for me for, for that. You know, that said, they are 
that they do feel very different. They, you know, they kind of fill different niches. And, and the people that are really getting into Apex Legends when they never gotten anything else, like, yeah, like I, I'm seeing like, okay, yeah, there's totally room in this space for more and more of these games because people are going to be, uh, the, the, the basic fundamental idea of be the last player or team standing is just so easy to understand, so compelling uh, that if you just keep giving different ideas, uh, if you keep throwing different ideas at that underlying concept, uh, there's plenty of room for everybody. It feels like for now, um, when, when I think we were thinking maybe a couple weeks ago before Apex legends, it's like, we have our Dota, we have our league of legends. Uh, nothing else is going to make any room in this space. And then I think Apex legends has definitely proven that wrong. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think going forward, I'm going to play a lot more Apex Legends than than PUBG. But I still, I still, you know, I'm going to hold a torch for PUBG for probably forever. It was, you know, it's a special experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much all in on Apex at this point. I mean, not that I was playing, I was playing Fortnite for a bit, and I'm kind of done with that at this point. But Apex just seems this seems to be the kind of what I've been looking for in terms of. Like the shooting feels very good. It's fast-paced enough. Like the building in Fortnite is interesting, but it is such a different thing. Sometimes it's it can be frustrating when you lose because a person's a better builder than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I suppose. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of all in on Apex. Also, to call myself out for having an awful opinion when we first heard about Apex Legends, like we heard about it because we had an embargo, and Dean was like, "It's a uh, Titanfall, you know, battle royale, but without the uh, without." The Titans. I was like, "This is dead in the water. This will, <laughs> no one will care. That makes no sense." I mean, you be, like Oops. talk about that more. Like, are you guys are you guys okay that it doesn't have Titans and doesn't have wall running? I'm almost at a point where I'm like, "No, that makes a lot of sense." It makes a lot of sense. Wall game. running. I might. I'm, I'm still interested to see what that might look like. I, I, I think maybe it'll be okay if there was a character whose like special ability was they could wall run for ten seconds or something, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's how you do it. Um, but yeah, the, the game certainly doesn't seem to be hurting for it, huh? I mean, they have enough players now where I think they could do like modes where it's like our solo, our solo event thing this week is everyone's going to play as the same character who can wall run. And, and that's, you know, we'll just unlock that for two weeks and you guys could play that. And then it's gone for a while, for a while. And then it'll come back. Um, I could see stuff like that working. Um, yeah. Saw someone I, tweeting that they should do an April fools where uh, they turn on fall damage. Yes. I oh, saw gosh. That, too. that was very funny. Oh, no. Don't even. <laughs> yeah. Man, no fall damage is another thing that I'm just like, oh, yes, man. Oh, nice. this, why would you make I mean, a game like this with, with fall damage? Well, it's important in Fortnite right, because of the building. So it's like yeah, you knock a yeah, person's yeah. thing down and kill them. But it is nice to just kind of not have it. And the sliding feels good. There's just, yeah, so many things are working here. Huh? Well, I mean, I think this is a thing that is occasionally difficult for critics to talk about to just people who aren't actually like in the trenches making the game so but how these games feel like the moment to moment gameplay the game feel that some people talk about um like this is something that respawn has been honing for you know 15 20 years or whatever uh this is something that they they make themselves do and that's a really difficult thing to say other than yeah i like i like how to click on things or i like how to press the buttons in this game but no pressing the buttons and making the things happen the sliding uh the gunplay you know the mantling all these things like give a lot of reinforcement to the player as they play in a way that you know is a major step up for just 
shooters in general often, but also particularly Battle Royale games that, uh, you know, they, they have come out of mods that have been fairly clumsy. And um, that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah, not nothing. That's one of those persons. No, yeah, yeah, this this right. game day one feel felt pretty much like great. Yeah. I mean, and maybe it felt better than anything else in the genre so far. Yeah. Like from day one. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you, that's not something that's uh, easy to do. I think maybe there are a, a couple of developers that could have pulled that off, and Respawn was one of them. Um, you know, they, they, like yeah, like Rome was saying, they made Call of Duty for modern war- warfare, and that completely re- redefined shooters for ten years. Um, and now, now they're sort of coming in on the back end of of the battle royale, you know, the bandwagon. And it still feels like they are coming in and also are going to be the ones that may be known as defining a lot of what this genre is going forward. Of course, of course, Fortnite and PUBG are going to have their places in that conversation forever. It's cemented, of course. Uh, but the idea that a game could come out a year and a half after Fortnite launched originally with its Battle Royale um, and and then sort of just kind of do things and like and make it feel like, oh, this was this makes a lot more sense. This feels better on all these communication features like i mean rowan you're saying like the like they make pressing the buttons or pulling the trigger feel good in the game uh i mean they they apply that to like the communications like pinging something and like seeing like the way it re- the, the screen reacts and the way your character shouts out all that stuff feels really good and again it reinforces players to do that stuff and communicate in a way uh, where they're not just using their voice it's just yeah some really brilliant stuff in in that game that's gonna make it it's gonna make it stick around for quite some time um now, now there's you know rumors. Poor Battlefield Five. Can't yeah, catch a break. I, yeah, man, I, I don't know. Like they're definitely they're different. Like the thing that they're talking about doing was pretty similar. I think a three person squad, sixty player Battle Five, Battlefield Five, uh, Battle Royale, and boy, I don't know. I don't know if that was going to have any appeal. But you know, we said the same thing about Apex Legends in some ways. Maybe it could, but it just doesn't feel like you know coming out in March after this thing. Um, yeah, it's going to be rough. Other, I, I can't. I have to wonder if Activision Blizzard are thinking, why did we make our big AAA, you know, battle royale thing just kind of part of a game that was already going to sell a million copies anyway, like millions of copies anyway, right? Because mm-hmm. it seems like you know EA is now in a position with Apex Legends to have this thing that they can keep going for at least a couple years. It's going to keep making money, whereas you know, Blackout is it's tied to this this sixty dollar game. It's not going to you know maybe. It it, it it made a big splash at first, it seems like, but already it doesn't seem like it's something people talk about a lot. And when the next Call of Duty comes out, it, it'll probably be obsolete in a way. Yeah, and, that, and that's, that is like the strangest thing that I've been wonder, wondering about since Blackout came out. It's like when... Call of Duty 2019 comes out. Are we? Are they going to continue this? Is it just like, is it a launcher inside of the game that takes you back to Blackout? Like that's not. It can't be how it works, right? There's, there's no way. It's they're, they're going to make a new one, and then what? Or do they just like launch a new mode and like that's they launch one new map per year, and it's also all going to be under the same thing? And again, it's just a launcher. Like it's a really confusing prospect, and it's not. Um, you know, it's not free to play apex legends that is on everything that you just download you play you get, it's good, good to go and you're right there with your friends um it seems pretty boneheaded to kind of tie it that to that tie it to that i don't get it speaking of friends apex legends really needs to have a thing where when you see your friends list it tells you how many people are in their squad that is a, yes yeah please if, patch that in oh my god yeah if you run into mo- moments where you're like you're where people are like trying to get into your game or people are trying to like invite you and they don't see you already have a full squad yeah, or, or like i see like three of my friends are playing apex legends and i'm like should i wait for them right uh, that's pointless if they have people uh, in their squads but 
That, that sounds like the origins. Like, what are you playing yeah. on? Are you playing on uh, PC? PC? Yeah, yeah that's so an origin, origin issue. Origin thing. So, yeah. Oh, oh, I feel like um, the origin team is about to get a mandate to uh, do whatever it takes to get up to speed with everything else. So now many people are using game. origin now. It's right. It's so funny. Yeah. Right? Origin has its killer app. Yeah. yeah like, I have people that I added as friends for SimCity 2012 or whatever. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, oh my god, who are you? But you're playing Apex Legends, so I probably like you. I, you're <laughs> on my friends list. Uh, but yeah, that's the last time I really tried to use Origin and add people specifically. So Yeah, as soon as I saw that thing to add my Steam friends, I just I clicked that immediately and I haven't thought about it since. It kind of, that worked flawlessly, thankfully. So um, so that's been good. Uh, I, I want to put more Apex Legends. Le- go ahead. Uh, as I get further into the game, I'm about level 25 with my character or my profile or whatever. I'm noticing that the progression is slowing way down, and I think that's a thing that they're going to have to take a look at because, like, when you have a game that's only the game, you know, it's this is just the match. There's no meta game to it. You probably want a stronger feeling of you know, here's your reward for continuing to play. And right now, I think that's uh, that's something that they're going to have to to figure out because that's that battle pass launches in March. Right. And that's going to be their big monetization push where, you know, you know, you know, making people pay to get into the Skinner box uh, has worked out super well for Fortnite. Um, And, you know, these are the people again, that like really popularized the idea of that, of that progression system in call of duty for modern warfare warfare. And then uh, to see that, yeah, Mass Effect 3, yes. And then EA overall Mass Effect 3, but just like seeing the people that did that Call of Duty game that like really made people feel like there should be a progression system in every game, not just, you know, uh, RPGs or whatever. Um, seeing them like try to figure out a way to make it a premium one. I'm, I'm excited to see how that works. That's probably going to work. It, it will be... Uh, it will be interesting to see how it works for people who are not going to pay um, for people that choose to sit out and don't want to like spend the money on this game. Uh, if that progression is still going to feel bad or if they'll find a way to make like string them along. Uh, but if you're going to pay, I bet it's going to feel really good really soon. As soon as you, uh, you know, uh, get that battle pass and jump in there, especially if you're playing a lot, if you're already level 25 uh, that they're going to aim it right at someone like you Rowan and hopefully yeah. you had a good time. Yeah. I, mean, um, I already threw $10 at it just to see what the loot boxes were like. So, mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what if they do something that makes my money feel a little better than that. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I I haven't really had time for Apex Legends because I've been playing a lot of other stuff. Um, so I'm looking forward to get back into that. But one of the other things I've been playing is uh, Far Cry New Dawn. Uh, we don't have to talk about this for a long time because uh, I mean it is what it is. It's one of these Far sides, Cry. It's one of these yeah side story Far Cry games. Uh, it reuses the map from Far Cry Five. Let me ask you guys: any interest in this game at all? No, I was I couldn't even get into Far Cry Five. I and I was really into Far Cry for a bit. Played through three, Blood Dragon, four, uh, Primal, and it was right there Primal. I was just like, man, I have been doing the same thing for a long time in these games. I, I think I need to check out for a while. And like do, the idea of jumping back in, like not even on a numbered one, but on like the the spinoffy one, I'm like, nah, that's okay. If it doesn't have malaria, it's crap. Oh my god! For, so you're one of the Far Cry Twoers? No, no. <laughs> I tried. I tried Far Cry Two back in the day. I was like, eh. and everyone hates me. Yep. Well, Deservedly. not because you don't like Far Cry Two. <laughs> well, um, maybe, maybe a bit of A, a bit of B. <laughs> um. I. So yeah, it's. Mike, you're the exact person who should skip this game for sure. If people haven't checked in on Far Cry for a while, um. 
I, I bet you can get Far Cry 5 pretty cheap now, but this game, you know, it's one of the side stories, so they're selling it for $40 out of the box. Um, and, you know, if you if you want, I think this is a fine way to, like, sort of check in on the series and see if it's still for you. Um, if you've ever had any interest in Far Cry or if you've never played a Far Cry, I would, I mean, instead of getting five, I almost would go with this because it is more manageable. They, they, they really, they reduce the scope. Like there's story campaigns and there's all the sides, the side quests happening out in the world. Uh, but mostly the loop is you have your home base, which you get, you know, they just hand it to you right from the beginning. Uh, and this home base has several different workbenches and stations that you just need to pour resources into to upgrade those stations to unlock better stuff, to make it easier to go out in the world and then get those resources. It's, you know, super simple. It's right there. It's all right in front of you. Um, and, and I find that approach very um, uh, simple and very easy to like glom onto. I'm like, okay, yeah, I could just throw myself into that, become, you know, the cog in this machine that actually makes the whole thing go. And, and that's fine. That, that's, it's totally good. It's not, um, you know, it's not super refreshing. There's nothing uh, here that's going to like blow anyone's mind. Uh, the, the world is, you know, it is the same map from five. It is that Hope County, Montana backwoods. Uh, it's a direct sequel to that game. So, you know, I mean, spoilers for Far Cry 5. I, I kind of think this one's out of the bag for a lot of people, but they drop nuclear bombs at the end, uh, like right before the credits on that game. Uh, the, like, turns out the guy that was the leader of the cult was right all along. And now you are 17 years later dealing with a world where there's been nuclear fallout. Uh, but the, nu- the nukes didn't really hit Hope County. Uh, so, like, the, w- the wilderness has bounced back already, uh, and there's green everywhere, vegetation everywhere. It's taken over the map, uh, and then they pop in colors of pink and fuchsia with flowers everywhere. Um, it feels very much like Rage Two, which is about to come out as well. Uh, like that, like that's what they're going for. So, the, it, the, you know, the result is it looks really pretty. And I enjoy like moving around that world just because it is so welcoming and inviting. Like the, the sky is blue. There's like this sort of daytime aurora borealis effect that they put in the sky as well. I like that. It, it's it's super inviting in, in, in that sense. Um, but it's still just Far Cry. You're, you're basically just going to points on the map, doing that's, these checklists, and then coming back to your home base. And that's what it is. It's it, it hasn't like changed. It's not going game. to change. Yes, it is the most checklisty of Ubisoft map games, without a doubt. Um, I, I don't hate it. I, I don't. I don't think it's the. I think it's a fine way to spend some of your time if that's what you're into. Um, but I'm not going to like say like, you know, we're we're talking about all these games coming out right now. I'm not going to say this is the one you should choose over anything else at this moment. This, I would I would choose Apex Legends, which is free. Go play that instead. Does it really matter? Because I mean, one of the things about like Blood Dragon and Primal was that it did something kind of really different, at least thematically, even though, you know, it, it kind of felt like the same thing. Is, does this seem as like ultimately different as those ones? And this, this almost kind of seems still sort of similar to what Far Cry 5 was doing. That, that's its, I think that's the biggest disappointment with this game is that it's, uh, they're not having very much fun with it. Uh, you know, the, they still are. It's the it's the same setting, and it's a direct sequel, so it's not even like um, a redressing like Primal was. Um, and I thought Primal was disappointing relative to Blood Dragon. Blood Dragon was really out there. This 1980s neon drenched sci-fi, uh, you know, riff of movies and stuff, which you know they got Michael Bean to be the voice actor in that game. It was oh, so really smart and a good time. Uh, they're not doing any of that here. They're just they're they're making another Far Cry game, uh, which includes like you know the the really out there villains, and this time it's. Two black women twins who, uh, you know, it's fine. I kind of can't believe that they're still doing the same shtick at this point, especially when they could have, like, 
maybe turn that on its head and maybe put you in, put you in the role of playing as these black women tr- sort of taking back the world from these, uh, these people, but no, they're the villains again. And it's just sort of, uh, okay, I get it. Like the villains in the, in a Ubisoft Far Cry game are, um, at least since Far Cry three, they've been like, they go on the cover and they're supposed to be interesting and fun. And they're the most memorable, memorable part of the story or whatever. And that's, that's still true here, but it's also sort of so rote at this point. It's like, it's hard, it's hard not to just roll, roll your eyes at it the entire time. Um, but yeah, that's, that's Far Cry new Dawn. I, I, I I feel like we're talking about it now. We probably won't ever talk about it again. I think think that is exactly right. And I think a lot of people are, it's going to, that's the way it's going to be for a lot of people. So, yeah. Um, let's see, uh, Mike, why don't we talk about Tetris 99? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was one of, this is part of the Nintendo Direct, which we'll talk about a bit later. This was kind of one of the big surprises of it and talking about Battle Royale and how just the concept of it is so strong that there can be all these different games. So this is like, this is one of the first, maybe not the first time, this is one of the more interesting times where we just seen like something kind of weird happen with it and still work very well. It's just Tetris. And it's 99 people playing at a time, and it's just who's going to be the last person standing. And it's free for anyone who has the Nintendo Online service. The Nintendo Online service is great at giving you some like free games and stuff. As a service, not very good. But for right. stuff like giving you this, yeah, great. But this is just, yeah, it's just a super fun, like, drop in, play some Tetris, and kind of make it, like, competitive in a way that it has never been, like, a competitive game before, at least on this scale. And it's uh, super interesting, super fun. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, it's funny how it does sort of um, mimic and, and echo Apex Legends in a lot of ways. It's free to play. Uh, they didn't announce it until they released it, pretty much. And it's a Battle Royale game. Um, and it seems like it's doing really, really well. A lot of people are playing oh, it. Sure. And it's it, it's like doing, I think it had like 50,000 viewers on Twitch yesterday or something like that. Um, I, I don't know. I, I played it a bunch. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I haven't, like, they, I think the closest I got to winning was like the top 10 somewhere. Um I really actually only played one game and got like 24 and I was like, okay, not bad. Yeah. And it's, but it's, it's just Tetris and, and you could see every, I mean, the cool part is being able to like look off to the side and seeing 98 other Mm -hmm. Tetris boards all happening at the exact same time. Um, that's been really cool. And, and, you know, it, one of the big things that they've done here is, um, you know, it's all the basic Tetris rules. Like you, you, you're dropping things in a well, you're trying to clear lines. You could see the next five pieces, I think on the right, and you can hold a piece in your left hand by hitting the left trigger. And you can use that piece whenever you want. Uh, you could swap it out with whatever's coming down at any one moment. Um, and that, that's become sort of the basic rule set of Tetris for a while. Uh, what they do here to mix things up to, you know, really hit home that this is a competitive battle Royale game is, uh, with the right stick on on your uh, you know on your switch controllers, you can choose to either attack people who are about to be knocked out. You could attack people who are attacking you. You can attack just a random person, or you could attack someone who has a badge, which I don't really know what that is. I'm assuming that's people who have play who have like done well in the game before. A badge uh, is so- when you you've knocked you've like helped knock somebody out with your Ah, uh, okay, right. Yeah. So I was I was getting- doesn't really actually explain itself. <laughs> you kind of no. throws you in there, which is kind of fun in a way. Right. And I was seeing like I was getting uh, I was in one game where I was getting a ton of knockouts and then all of a sudden everyone started attacking me and I bet that's what was happening. People were attacking the badge. So um yeah, that's it's it's you know, it's very cool. It's very smart, and it it's it seems like it's made by Nintendo. Everyone was looking around to see if it was like made by a, a sub developer or anything. It seems like it's made internally at Nintendo, uh, 
which makes sense considering they're releasing it for free on the Nintendo online service. Uh, but it also, to me, it screams like this is them looking at the battle Royale thing and saying, Hey, we should like just make something to test that to see how it works. And suddenly now they have this really popular game because that's Splatoon. how this whole it's thing Splatoon battle Royale coming next year. Now. I mean, I would, I would play the hell out of that. Like that would be, I awesome. would not have a problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what about smash Royale? 99 smash players, 100, oh, 100, man. 100 piranha man, plants drop look like <laughs> on final destination, which is basically what smash has been like the way. last month. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a good character. character. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I think that does it for Tetris 99. We'll talk maybe a little bit more about that in the direct, but, uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, should we go Rowan? Let's talk about Civ six. You were saying that, that, uh, it's about to come out. Have you been doing the review on that? No, I think Jason okay, so- might be. Okay. Like, he's so been you- playing it a little more than me, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure where the review is on that. Uh, but yeah, but you I have, got- so you have been playing it for like a while, not just like not just today, right, or not just yesterday. No, just yesterday. Okay. I well, mean, well, it, it, it it launched uh, at the end of uh, Wednesday night, I think. So I I played it a couple days. Um, so what are your yeah, uh, general so, thoughts about it? Yeah. So yeah, the this is. So back when Civ 6 came out, it had like most of the technical features that Civ 5 eventually got with all of its expansions. It had like the religions and it had the trade routes and stuff. Um, so it had like room with its expansion to go in different directions that mm-hmm. other Civs had not necessarily gone. And uh, at the time, I said it really needs to do two things it needs to have like civil wars, internal politics, which the first expansion did last year. And it also needs to have, like, climate change. Because this was a thing that the first two civs, maybe Civ 3 had it somewhat, uh, the first few civs had actual climate change. They had global warming. They had nuclear war that did more than just, like, mess up a little area around your city. Um, And then, like, in the 2000s, when climate change became controversial, they stopped having it. So, uh you know, it, it's a thing that a game that models the scope of human history should model, and it's also a thing that I thought would be really good for the game because Civ Five and Civ Six have gone in this direction where they're sort of about you getting to the end game. Um, they're not like simulations of what it's like to be part of an international system so much as you trying to build your civilization down a specific path that will let you get a you win screen at the end. Um, so when it becomes sort of more about you against the world instead of you as a piece of the puzzle, what it needs and what something like a Paradox game has is a kind of internal pushback. Like something that says, you're doing so well, here's you know something that's going mm-hmm. to mess you up a little bit. Your, your success also leads to potential failures. And so climate change and just sort of environmentalism in general seemed like a really good fit for that. Like if you cut down all the trees around your city, which a lot of civs like reward you for doing because that's a good way to get your production up real, real fast, um, then maybe your floods do more damage to you. You know, that kind of thing. That's what I was hoping for. And then climate change, obviously, is you industrialize too much and then the world becomes horrible. Um, so I've played, like, into the mid-game on this, and so far the environmentalism aspect of it does not appear to be, like, the you have done X, therefore Y happens. It seems to be more Civ sit or Sim City, Civ City, uh, that actually was a game. I never played mm-hmm. that one. Uh, Neither. 
uh, it seems to be more SimCity style. Here's a disaster. The river you have built your city on floods. A volcano has exploded near you, or a storm appears. Like you don't really have control over those. Like it, if you check the weather systems or the climate uh, menus and stuff, you can see that eventually these things—well, not the volcanoes, but the storms and the flooding—might be affected by CO2 in the atmosphere and so on. So yeah, that will eventually happen. But I was really hoping for something in the early game that made it feel a little less like a turn-based city builder, and uh, that's not the case so far. So I'm a little disappointed in this. Hmm. It's uh, yeah, it's definitely something I've always been wondering, like how they would uh, roll out with with expansions for Civ Six, and um, it, it, it that game is definitely for me when I I haven't played it in a long time. It definitely has always felt like you are just filling up buckets to get to that win condition. Uh, so I was also kind of hoping for something. Um, I, I'm still go- I'm gonna try this out, uh, but it does sound kind of disappointing based on just what you've described. I, guess, I-, I mean. For me, it's like, I don't know, Civ is like this, you guys are exactly right, and that's what it is, but for me, that's kind of like why I can go to it sometimes. It's, 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 it's this relatively peaceful, just kind of like, to me, like it is almost like the city builder, just kind of going through the motions. It's like grinding in an RPG or something, you know? It's kind of relaxing in a weird way, but maybe not totally engaging. Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing, is that I want it to be, like, I want it to really make that decision and go in that direction if it's going to go that way mm-hmm. but there are all these other systems you know these there's this new diplomacy favor system where you trade favors on the diplomacy screen and those can be used to buy votes in a world congress or something that i've, I've gotten into a little bit but what i have really noticed is that as soon as i get a favor i get like every um every other civilization going to the diplomacy screen and offering me five gold for this one favor. And I'm like, why, why is this happening? This is so boring. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, there are all these other things happening that I wish, you know, they would sort of relax a little on. Yeah. I, I, the, um, expansions in the past though, have had sort of rough launches and I feel like they iron them out over time. Is that, is that something they've done? I feel like that's what they've done. I mean, you mean the game in general, or the the expansion specific? The expansions themselves, because I know they've diff- they've definitely done that with the game, where they've yeah. the games come out, people are like, oh, this, this, and this, and then they uh, they address those things in time, mostly with the expansions. But it feels like the expansions come out, and also they they tend to make some tweaks in the first couple of months that uh, uh, yeah. address some concerns. I definitely think that that it's it's possible, like especially with the like diplomacy annoyances, they can you know turn that down or say that. You know, you can't trade one favor. Another thing they did is they changed how uh, strategic resources work. So those, like, sort of fill up over time. You get, like, two horses per turn or whatever. And that, like, sort of makes a little more sense than just you can build infinite horses or Mm -hmm. if you have a horse on your map. But it also means that people are constantly, literally, coming to me and horse trading. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, there's... There's just a whole bunch going on here that I, I, I'm not quite sure if they... Like, I don't really like that Civ Five had the plan of being all about the endgame, but it definitely did, and that was a thing that, like, made it strong for the people who were into that. Like, it had a really good focus. This game, it feels like initially they wanted it to be all about, like, um, engaging with the map... And this expansion does help a little bit with that. Like, you, there are river names on the map, and obviously the natural disasters, you see them happening. Like, your rivers will flood, and it will say, you know, the Nile River has flooded, even on your random maps. Um, 
and th- that's all neat but also like the the world congress is off on a totally different screen the you know whole climate change menu thing is it's it entirely separate thing so it's um there's a phrase that the paradox fans use called spaghetti where it's just like you keep adding noodles to go down on the menus with all their expansions that i can sort of see happening here a little bit and like i i don't know exactly what the focus is with this um hey rowan have you ever played the the anno games or anno i don't know uh a little bit i couldn't really get into them that much but it's like I'm looking forward to the new ones coming out. Anno eighteen hundred in uh, what two yeah. in April, and I don't know if that would like scratch the itch better or if it's just such a different beast. Yeah, I it, I mean, the ones that I have played have tended to be like from the era when they were like trying to make every game like antiseptic looking and social, and uh, mm. so I played them like three years later, and you know they're all these like here's all the things you can vote on with the other players. And I'm like, there are no other players, man. (laughs) (laughs) Also also it's real time, which is very different, I guess. But yeah, but no, I mean, I could definitely handle your, your city builders, but uh, yeah, maybe the new ones will, will be a little more uh, interface friendly for me because, you know, I, I want to get into that idea. I like the ideas, but just have not found one for me. Well, uh, speaking of building up a civilization, we, uh, we're coming near the end of our eco game, Mike. I know. Yeah. Uh, I I had my kid. That's why we actually haven't done a, uh, an episode the last two weeks. This is the first one in two, three weeks. Um, I had a kid, another one. So I have many, many children now. Ooh, and I, yeah. yeah thank Hooray you. And, um, <laughs> I did it. Um, but like, and then of course that happened like right. And uh, as our eco game was getting underway. Uh, but even with, with that happening, I was able to play some here and there. And a lot of other people kind of have kept contributing, contributing. And now we're at a point where I feel like we are, we're building the lasers. We're just building our power grid now. Um, but Mike, like you haven't been involved with any of that. You've been kind of <laughs> off doing your own thing. I don't know if we really talked about, like, I think you might've mentioned that you started your own farm last time, but I don't know if we got into like any details about that. I feel like you just were figuring it out at that point. And since yeah, then, you've fun. basically made like, yeah, like a, 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 an, an industrial farming. Uh, I went all in on the farm, man. It's funny because, like, I was like looking around, like when the game was starting, like, I had some idea what's going on. I'm like, well, what the heck am I supposed to do here? I think you even just said, I don't know. We need food. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll farm. And like, so at first, I don't even know. I just like, but next to my house in my town, I just planted some crops, and they like all died. And they're like, no, you have to go, you have to check the map and find some place where they'll grow. And that was like across the the like basically this ocean so and you built a bridge for like a trading reason like all right i guess i'll just go over there and build a farm so since then like i basically am kind of playing this game like in my own little bubble where i have my farm and uh i like my progression is basically making my farm better by expanding it um at one point i built a mill so that i could like you know make flour and stuff also then like one day you came with presents you just like here here's a tractor i'm like we have tractors so then i (laughs) built a garage for my tractor and then like i was able to expand the farm you know like huge rate at that point because it was so much yeah i haven't asked like i like i I dropped off that tractor and i never like checked in to see like is that like has that been responsible for like a lot of the fields, the huge fields I see out there now? Oh yeah, like at first, you know, I went from having like a bunch of small fields to basically just having a large field with like a little road in the middle of it because it doesn't really because I don't need room to maneuver around it. You know, every day I just take the tractor out, you load, you put like different modules on it for planting or sowing or harvesting, 
and uh, I just kind of run over everything until I harvest it. Then I load the tractor up with seeds and run over the now blank fields until they're planted again. And then I, then I take a cart and I plant, you know, I put everything that I got and I go into town and I drop it off at the guy who's the cook. Kind of just hope that he like, all right, you're going to turn this into food, I guess. While I'm in town, I'll maybe grab some food. I'll grab some of like the building materials I can't make to go expand my farm a bit more and I go back into town. So, you know, pretty much doing farmer things. And I you know it's, it's I basically am playing like Harvest Moon while like mm-hmm. everyone else is building lasers and stuff. It suits me quite well. Yeah, yeah, it's been like really interesting to see you just regularly logging in and like basically just taking care of your business and it it is it is it is serving a very important like function in our society where you know it we've had enough food the entire time no one's had to think about it because you are doing that and our cook is doing the cooking and so we just we've always had enough and no one's had to think about it so they could go work focus on the things that they're good at that they're specialized in um and it's it, yeah and so it's been interesting just like checking on your farm every couple of days and like see how it's grown and stuff i didn't think about the fact that like if you're moving through your crops, does it like slow down your character, and that's why you needed the room to maneuver before you got the tractor? Yeah, yeah, that's why. I had oh, wow, I didn't think about and, that. And so yeah, somebody once said, I don't even know if it's true that walking over your crops is bad for them. So yeah, like, they kind of have yeah, a great trampling before, but I don't think like, you look, the tractor. You look at the graphs of the trampling thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's a trampling mechanic. So if like you look on the maps where like it shows you everything that's happened in the world, like with 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 a heat map, you could see where people are walking, and it creates natural paths that way. And if you do it on your crops enough, I'm sure it does actually like 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 sort of create a demerit on that space where it like hurts whether or not it could produce food. Now, now my one other big venture in the game has has sadly been a failure where my brother was also playing and he played it like he plays many games where he plays it for a little bit then moves on. Now <laughs> this meant that on day 1 he built his house in the center of what would be our bustling like main town for our <laughs> community. And even for a day 1 house it was pretty small. He, it was just like basically a box of like it was a yeah, basic box of wood. wood. Yeah. of wood material. So, like, after two weeks of this, you were finally like, hey, you, can you log into the game and at least give me the land so that, you know, we could... You, this is very p- valuable property now in the middle of our town. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hilarious looking because there's this little, like, shack, and it's now surrounded by industrial buildings and manufacturing. <laughs> it's hilarious. But yeah, I was it, was, like, it was right next to my house, too. Right right between my house and my, my, my workshop. So it was very... We're like, we want to build a highway. <laughs> yeah. So I had <laughs> but, to go, like, so ask him to log in. But I was like, no, this is beautiful. This is history. This needs to be preserved. So I tried to establish the Rivertown Historical Preservation Society, and I built a sign and put it on your property, actually, because I had permission there, that said that this house was now a protected historical site. And you you, you went along with it. You acted like you were all about it. You were all for it. Then I come in one day, and the house <laughs> is gone. The sign says, Guy was here. That I, I think mm-hmm. I changed the sign to say what uh, deny your history, destroy your future was <laughs> what I wrote. That's so. I think it still says that too. So we love that sign. Um, yeah, I, it got to a point where it's like we have trucks now. We have trucks, and they're bigger than any of the other vehicles, and we need to drive them through this space. And this stupid house is here. I thought about. I thought about like rebuilding the house on like stilts or something because I wasn't gonna like dig out a tunnel underneath the house. That would have been way too much work. I'm like, maybe I'll put it on stilts and we'll go underneath it. But I'm like, fuck it, we're just gonna destroy no, this house. I, I'm sick of uh, looking at it. So, are you a Vogon? <laughs> wait, 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 like from uh, 
from yeah, yeah from Tycho's guide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bates. He sounds like he is removing. I, I mean, I've never in been order poetry, to build so, the yeah. uh, intergalactic highway. And we did. <laughs> we did put a notice, I think, in Discord, and he could have checked that to say it was getting destroyed. So. Yeah, yeah. I, basically, that's, that's, that's the problem. My isolationism is I don't check in on the laws. I'm not even checking in on the Discord too much because I'm I really don't need to. I'm just kind of yeah, you just do your own thing. But yeah, like we to, like this game can turn you into a Vogon for sure. We, you know, we, we are a, a society. There's a lot of bureaucracy bureaucracy with the other players, and when you need that highway, a, a cute little. The cute little shack with a, a cute floor. little an important historical landmark, Jeff. Damn that you. it's just an eyesore with its stupid fire right next to it. That wow. <laughs> I hate. God, I really did hate that house at the end. I'm really glad we destroyed it now. No, it was, it was so frustrating. And it was, and it's like my house is right there, and it's like two blocks later. It's right, and it's like I can't, I can barely get a cart through here, let alone this giant truck. It's like, man, we gotta haul, we gotta haul these lasers, we gotta haul this flat steel up a goddamn mountain. I'm not gonna take five minutes getting around this house every time. You guys are a bunch of barbarians. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm, the, the highway works really well now, though. I'm very happy about it. <laughs> when you, when you come back to town, you take the tunnel now, right? So we, we at what? first we built this. So we built a small stone. Um, we built a small stone bridge and like uh, a, a thing over the mountain. Because we're we're in the woods in the middle of the, the, the in the middle of this mountain range, and to get to the other continent, we had to build this like stone ramp over everything, and then across the the, the water. Uh, but since then, we've gotten skid steers, which are basically just these giant uh, the, the, these giant bobcats that have the metal things on the end, where you could just break apart stone in front of you and scoop it up. And we used that, and we just built a tunnel straight through the mountain, and it goes almost directly to you, but then we veer right and then take that. So instead of like taking the old stone bridge, just turn right on that uh, asphalt okay. path, I and it'll I, take you through the I might need to the redirect the, the Tokoto Farms Expressway to connect to this. Yeah, I, I started to do that a little bit, yeah. I saw, actually, I did connect to something just today. Maybe that was part yeah, that, of it. Yeah, that, that was probably what it, what it was. But yeah. Uh, so anyway, the 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 asteroid, the meteor is going to hit us in ten days or something in in that range, and we are at a point now where we have lasers, we have the computer, we just need to build a tier four building to house the computer, and then we need to connect that to our electric grid with enough power to power the lasers and the computer. Um, but I think we're at a good you know in a good situation to make that happen real soon. So we'll have to. Uh, We'll have to pick a date where we get everyone back on and maybe stream it and stuff and let everybody watch us destroy the meteor. And then maybe we could talk to the the, the devs who are running our server and see if they can um, then actually have the meteor come down and hit us. Is that that it then? Once the meteor's done, is everyone kind of, all right, pack it up. We're done here. So yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the world continues, and like you could try to um, see like what your pollution and like all the, the all the things you've done to the world. You could try to see like uh, like is it viable now to continue? Um, but there's no, I don't think there's any like real goal after that. At least they haven't developed one yet. Um, so you'd just be kind of meandering around in this world with no real purpose, um, which is, you know, maybe some people will, will enjoy. Um, I think we'd have to talk to the, to the devs about migrating the server to something that we own so that they don't have to you know, maintain it anymore. I'm sure they don't want to do that. But yeah, like in the, if the meteor hits, the world also continues and you could try to um, survive in that wasteland. And I'm not really? sure how that works. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know and that. And it, it really, it turns the world into like an absolute nightmare. And, and when they hit, it's really scary. Um, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, we'll talk to the devs about maybe doing that just so we could see what it looks like, and then rolling it back if people want to keep checking in on the game ever. 
but yeah, well, that'll happen this next week, probably. We'll, we'll talk about it next week. I, I have a lot to say about, like, actually what happened in this game. I was expecting we'd have, like, these, this, like, really intense economic simulator with, like, all these various groups. But people were, like, the shops were broken, so that made, like, the idea of getting an, an actual economy set up very difficult. The shops are fixed now, uh, but even at this point, like, people are so ingrained with just, like, you know... There's enough stuff. I'll work with people. I'll give my stuff away. I'll go get what I need. That no one's really kind of uh, participating in that side of, of things. Socialist world we got here. Yeah, we it's yeah completely. Uh, and 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 then like, but there was still like a lot of like, you know, the game is about like you, the, the, your actions having an effect on the world. But really, what I learned this time is your actions also have an effect on all the other people playing, maybe more so. Um, and that's kind of been the thing that I've taken away from this more than the last time I played and still interesting, but also a lot of people have stopped playing because a lot of people got their feelings hurt, which I don't blame anybody. Cause it was, I don't know, pretty, pretty testy for a while on the server. Um, <laughs> it was, I get we'll, to be, I was like, why are people mad? I'm like, over here I know. Yeah. Yeah. You did. You were, yeah. <laughs> like, I think you did the right thing. Like if you're like, yeah, just get out of it and yeah, live on your own and go, go be a farmer. He started uh, a politics free with, website. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, what's going on? it's going really well for him too. Yeah, um, although I think you, Mike, you might have to take some time off and really, you know, reflect on what you've done. Uh, okay, I think um, I think we covered all the games that we have played. Um, I know we got. I played a little bit of Metro um, to see how the RTX works. It does, but I, I don't know if it really w- works enough to like make you feel like you need an RTX card. Um, and I, but I haven't even touched Crackdown. I have it, but I haven't even turned it on. So I don't know. It's probably yeah. I need to try it. I feel it, I'm wondering because I mean the reviews are not great, and right. even without playing it, my initial feeling is this poor game probably had so many like expectations for it that were beyond what it were reasonable in a way. Just because like there are no exclusives from Microsoft, and this is like one of them. So it's like, oh, you better do something. My my friends who love Crackdown more than life itself love this game. They they say right. it's it's the it's the game from 2006, but in 2019 that they wanted. So. See, that sounds appealing to me. Yeah, yeah. Like and, I, I, and I, I've like seen some part. reviews along those lines. I think uh, Keza at, uh, at Kotaku basically reviewed it, saying this is a game that has not learned anything in the last ten years, and that's fantastic. So uh, yeah, I, I, I've heard good things from the people who I trust to love Crackdown. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I that's kind of the, the sense I've gotten as well, is that uh, there is a game here for people to love. It's just you have to know exactly what you're getting into. If you expect a modern game in any way, in any way, it's, it's just not going to deliver that. And then even if you do love Crackdown, it does that stuff well, but there is some extra stuff that is uh, just thrown on top that maybe doesn't, you know, doesn't work as well. Uh, but again, I haven't touched it, so we'll see. Um, okay, I think that means it's time to get into some news. We've got some headlines from the last week, and that's going to start us off with a Nintendo Direct. Um, that happened, with, I forget when that happened. Was that yesterday or the day before yesterday? Yeah, I was in France when it happened. Don't ask me. I have no idea. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was on Wednesday, um, and I was covering it, and like they just kept coming. It was just action-packed, nonstop. It was a Tons great Direct. It seems like one of the best ones I can remember, right? Yeah, I was very, I was pretty happy with it. I, I, I was also thinking afterwards. I don't necessarily know what a, what makes a great direct because it's like really this is a great direct because they had a huge surprise at the end. You know, it, it covered a game I'm interested in like Fire Emblem Three Houses, 
uh, there was, I guess, the new Platinum game's exciting, uh, and Super Mario Maker 2 got announced. It's like, okay, that's great. And, you know, and also, they, they surprise launched demos and games, like, like Tetris 99. Right. It's, I think so it's maybe, a combination of like a good, game, good new game announcements, good info on games we're looking forward to, and like just these kind of other surprises with like some of the releases and stuff. I just, yeah, all around, pretty good stuff. So, Mike, you've listed out the stuff here that's probably worth talking about. Uh, we could start at the top with Super Mario Maker 2. That is how the Nintendo Direct started. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of the original. I saw this. Sure and it, Yeah, and yeah, we gave it our game of the year that year, uh, and I think still deservedly so. Um, I, I, I watched the trailer, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm told this is exactly what I want. It's more more Super Mario Maker with a few new things. It looks like it. I, I think it's probably going to be... Um, a, a lot more new stuff than people are expecting, but maybe not content wise, but in creation wise, because they were like well, that's using radial be. menus and stuff. Uh, just like in terms of like, like, okay, yeah, you can make slopes now. Sure. But just, it looked like the way that you were selecting stuff seemed, seemed a lot more streamlined. And I, um, I appreciate that. And I think that's going to make creating levels easier than ever. Uh, I, I would hope that if they're going to call it a sequel, like in, in the way that they are, that, that, that a lot of the effort is going into making sure the building is easier than ever so that more people feel like they can do it. Because the first game, it was very easy. Uh, it was also pr pretty limited when you start looking at like how the game compares to other Mario games. Um, and it's like, if they can sort of amp up both sides of that, where, where you could create more stuff and it's easier to do than ever before. Uh, I feel like this game's going to have a really bright future and it's on a system that everyone's playing now. So it's like, okay, this game has a chance to do what the first game couldn't, even though it was like even on the precipice of like becoming this really big all time uh, user creation classic. Um, uh, th this one seems like it's guaranteed to reach that level. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. I mean, this was the this is one of the kind of cards that we expected them to play. You know, it's kind of just a question of when, and the fact that it is kind of coming. It seems to be coming at the right time, right? Because it's helping to fill out the schedule at a point that did look sparse at one point. And yeah, I mean. Mario Maker was great. Mario Maker 2, I'm sure it's going to also be great. And now, because it's on the Switch, a lot more people are going to get to play it. Rowan, you have a Switch now. Were you, uh, Mario Maker 2, does that stand out to you at all? Is that something you ever want to check in on? Yeah, I, I missed the first one and uh, would be interested in this, but whether I actually like find it for less than $60 at some point might be a little weird. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I know that... Uh, the idea behind the first one got a lot of people excited and like I could I could see myself getting into that maybe. Well the other big game announcement was one that I just I couldn't believe when it was happening. I uh, it was so exciting. Yes, yeah, so it's uh they closed out the whole thing by saying, you know, we have one more announcement, we're just gonna go right into it. This is the last thing. Um and it starts a trailer with uh, sort of an anime look. And it's it's in the water, and then all of a sudden you see Link's boots on a boat, and he's holding this rope. And the way he's standing, and the way he's holding the rope, is exactly the same as the animatic they did at the beginning of Link's Awakening for the Game Boy. So I'm like, you know, me and Mike are, are covering this, and Mike's like, oh, I, uh, I can get this last one, and I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I see what's happening, I'm like, wait, no, this is one of my favorite games of all time. I, I knew, need to it, yeah, this. I knew it was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I was immediately like, no, 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 you're on this one, never mind. Yeah. So, like, just realizing what it was was, like, a really exciting moment. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm still one of those people I think it's going to make fun of people that freak out at, like, the Final Fantasy VII remake getting announced or whatever. Like, they're crying and stuff. And at the same time, I also am still going to freak out when yeah, yeah. Nintendo announces something like this. I, I don't know what that says about me, but that is – it's the truth. Um, I uh, – 
I was very excited. And then they started showing the game, and it's it looks like uh, Link Between Worlds, but with a, a slightly different art style and Link's Awakening. Everything. It's just it's, I mean, it, it is like exactly even a, a little cuter version of the Leap Between Worlds look, which is perfect for this game. Right. Because it really that, it really is. Because that's what the original Link's Awakening was kind of like a cuter version of uh Link to the Past. So Right. It's and, and and there's and they're like and the what they've so it is an exact recreation, it looks like. Uh, maybe there's going to be some new stuff, but the, the scenes they showed, uh, one after the other, in this, uh, like, sort of... Um, what's that forced perspective look? Where, like, when, like, you're looking at, like, a, a, a model of toys, and it diorama has, like, that... kind of thing? Yeah, it's a, it's a dioramic effect, like for a sure. shadow box kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, where, like, like right in front of you, it's, like, crystal clear, and then, like, as you get a little bit further out, um, it, the things start to get a little bit out of focus. I mean, it's um, kind of like what um, Octopath did. Yes, and it's like you're looking at like a, a model train set, like a, yeah, like a diorama. Um, but but every scene they showed was like, okay, I recognize that, I recognize that. Every single shot oh, yeah. was something that was directly taken from Link's Awakening. So it's like they're just going to make that game again, which I'm I'm totally all for. Uh, the 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 changes do seem to be like, okay, yeah, so Link is a little bit cuter, and this like you like it makes sense for this game in terms of what you were saying, but it also makes sense if, like from a story perspective. And I'm not, I guess I won't spoil it now. Like, I mean, the game is from 1993, but if they're going to re-release it, uh, I guess a lot of people are going to be playing for the first time. I guess a lot of people are, yes. And so it's like for, like people did have a sort of um, mixed reaction to this art style. I think some people weren't sure thought, about it. I thought it was strange. I, I, yeah, I, I thought. It seemed to me like most people were positive, and then there was this lap. I agree. It shocked me. I thought it would be just everyone would accept this as fantastic because I don't know, it's doing it for me. But some people are like, oh, this looks stupid. I, I mean, it's got to be like people who did not live through Wind Waker because I can't imagine anyone who lived through Wind Waker and was like, this looks kiddie and dumb would ever do that again. Um, here, uh, here we are. Right? But here we, yeah, here we are. So it's got to be, it's got to be the kids. I'm blaming the kids, Mike. Um, but yeah, I, I I couldn't be more excited. And this is coming out in 2019. So I, I don't know if we mentioned Super Mario Maker 2 is coming out in June. Um, and then uh, this is still coming out in 2019. So it's probably sometime in the fall. Uh, that's That for me already is like, okay, another great year for the Switch. Like, I'm and, set. Uh, and yeah, the coolest ahead. thing about this, and it's something we talked about before, was this kind of worry of like, what's going to happen to those kind of 3DS games? Like, specifically with Zelda. Like, because they made a lot of great Zelda portable games. And are those just done now and this is very clearly two things first off it's the zelda portable team making a new game but for switch it's also kind of the first time where we've seen a game that you used to expect that come out for 3ds like we've seen it before with like the luigi's mansion remake all these mario and luigi games things like that this is the first time like no this is just going to come to switch instead now right and it's like such a it's so reassuring that it's like those teams are still allowed to make games the way that they always have. Uh, they're charging $60 for this game. They're treating it like everything else, which is like, okay, I'm, I think I'm okay with that. Like these are the games that would have been $40 on the 3ds. I I'm okay with you like bumping up the price to say, no, these are real switch games now. So they're $60 uh, as long as they keep making them. And, and kind of as long as they um, really put a ton of effort into it. I think, um, like this kind of creates hope for maybe like stuff like Rhythm Heaven and WarioWare uh, to find its way to the Switch, uh, but you know, 
this is clearly the first test. It's also like, um, you know, it's a Zelda, so it's kind of a sure thing in, in some ways. Uh, but I think they're going to wait to see how people react sales-wise for a game that isn't Breath of the Wild, but is Zelda, and it and it looks like a game that probably would have been on 3DS. If people are fully on board, I think Nintendo is going to be like, okay, we have the, we can open the floodgates, all the stuff that we've sort of been holding back because we don't want to make this feel like a, a portable console. Uh, no one's going to feel bad about spending $60 on this game, so we can start releasing some of this other stuff. And I think that's... Uh, that's a really good sign, and I'm very much about it, and I'm glad they're doing it. Um, and then, yeah, so speaking of their strong year, though, so, like, this is coming out uh, at some point in 2019, Super Mario Maker 2 in June. In July, we get Fire Emblem Three Houses, and that that also looked very interesting. Uh, what do you think of that trailer, Mike? I liked it. I like that. I like that, you know, my problem with um, so somebody who really liked Fire Emblem... Um, Awakening. I thought that was like the high point of the series. I think a lot of people agree. And I liked the next one, Fates, but it kind of felt a bit um, like Fire Emblem Awakening 2. Like they're kind of doing the same thing. And this one seems to be direct, uh, differentiating itself in, in kind of format with its sort of almost Harry Potter-esque, like going to a school with like the different houses kind of thing to it. And the way how like the fights just kind of look a little bit different. Like, like the fight, there's still one-on-one, but there's like the context of making it look like it's happening within a giant battle. I think it looks really cool. Yeah. And it's, uh, they definitely were playing up that, uh, the idea of you are a professor and you have a bunch of students under you and you're training these students to be officers in the military. And they are in, uh, different uh they're in different houses and stuff like that and and you were going to pick one of these houses and you're going to lead them and it does feel very much like anime hogwarts for sure um uh, it feels like persona cross hogwarts uh which is the vibe i got and i'm i think that's a great idea it's it's especially a good fit for this series um i think we probably go through the rest of these things pretty quickly so so do do each of the houses have like their own story is it going to be like fates i think so but i think i I don't think I'd, I'd be surprised if it was to the extent of Fates, where they were yeah, completely right. different stories and campaigns. Yeah. And, and that that sort of ruined the entire game, because like one of them was good level design, and one of them was easy. It was kind of it was, it was just, weird. Yeah, well, it, it, was, it was just a bad move all around. They, they out-clevered themselves, I felt, and I would rather they not do that, because I agree with you, Awakening was fantastic. And I hope that, you know, and it, it, romance is going to be a part of this one game, but I hope they don't, as cool as that was in Awakening, I hope they don't do the whole... You're, you know, the, they have kids, and then the kids join your army because that was great in Awakening, and then it was so shoehorned into Fates, it was kind yeah. of comical. It, it would be more shoehorned in here because you're a professor, and you're supposed to like, what? Are you making your students hook up with one another? That's that's a bit weird, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. So maybe don't do that, Nintendo, please. Um, God, yeah, that that actually give me the skeeves a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. It's not I, a fire emblem, but less it's creepy as hell. Okay, good point. You're right. Fair enough. Um, I, I do hope that like, it's just kind of different perspectives with uh, different characters on the same story. And that, that, that I would be okay with, um, if it's just different houses and stuff, uh, mostly cause that way you can still talk with other people who are playing different houses, but you're all, you all have just different stories about the same stuff that's happening. Cause you have different characters. I think that's the best way to approach this. Um, yeah, let's, uh, hit the rest of these like pretty quickly. Um, a new platinum game got announced. This, like, it looks like cyborg cops. Uh, fighting each other called Astral Chain. Just looks like a straight up action game. Uh, you know, Platinum has a bunch of teams. We know this. They've made good games and bad games at the same time. They are working on Bayonetta 3. Nintendo reconfirmed that during this thing. They didn't show anything from Bayonetta 3. Um, 
but they're also making this game at the same time. So I hope like one of these isn't like getting the short shrift and they both kind of get the full platinum treatment. Um, but I, I thought that looked pretty good. And then stuff like Hellblade got announced for the Switch, which was very interesting and out there. Uh, that's a, a beautiful game on Xbox One and PlayStation 4 and PC. And it looked just fine on, on Switch. Well, Microsoft owns that studio now. so Yeah, but that's, I mean, it, it's been weird for... Like a, a lot of games have happened like that where it's like yeah. studios get bought and then their games are still sort of in this limbo if they were made before the before the acquisition. Um, I bet this I mean, game it's was not that weird. But I guess it's, it's kind of interesting. It's yeah, definitely for sure. Um, and then a, a bunch of other stuff got announced. Like there was stuff like uh, Assassin's Creed three uh, and they showed that and that looked really, kind of, butt. like the frame rate looked, looked really bad and that's in their trailer. So I, I wouldn't have too high a hope for that on that, on the switch. Um, and then, yeah, then they just surprise launched final fantasy nine. I don't know where. So, but it was like the mobile port that not, people not, are annoyed at anyway. Nah, so. people, people are way, people are a little too harsh on that port. The port is fine. The, like the font it's a little different, but the font is fine. Yeah. And um, what else are they upset? I mean, there, apparently there's some bugs in this one that I've I've never seen in this port. And uh, they the character models are kind of upgraded to look nice, but they couldn't do it for the backgrounds. But you know, it still looks fine. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's think, not like the Final Fantasy VI disaster, right? I think that's what some people like they kind of have in their head when they hear about like the mobile. That's what I like would that. expect when when you guys start talking about this. I'm like, oh, so it's like that Final Fantasy VI? No, it's that, not. Okay. These this is fine this is just no this is nothing like that in fact there's some things that they add here that are good like um there's they kind of built in cheap things if you wanted to where you could just like automatically like give yourself max gill and stuff if you have like already played the game and you just want to mess around or whatever so yeah i'm gonna like defend the port of it because a lot of people i think are just pooping the port there was a, I actually talked to them at one point when the PC and mobile port was newer about how they made it, and it was kind of interesting and impressive. That story is out there somewhere. Yeah, I, um, I, I Final Fantasy IX is the one of uh, of all those that I actually would want to try to check in. Oh, it's uh, okay. Play. I, I liked Final Fantasy VI just fine, and then I'm like, ah, I tried seven a couple times, couldn't get into it. I'm like, I think Final Fantasy IX is probably probably more my speed, and if any of them are. What's interesting is, at least when I checked last night, you know, you could check on the uh, eShop, you can see what the top selling games was. Final Fantasy IX was up to number three in the eShop. And it's it's actually kind of expensive. It's like uh, 20 bucks or something. So it's probably a bit too much for a game this old. But, you know. You know, those those games have never been out on a Nintendo platform before. So it feels like maybe there's a lot of pent up demand there for all of those. It is. Yeah, it is cool. This Yeah, this has never actually been on a Nintendo system before. That's really neat, I think. All right, uh, let's go to the next story. Um, this one, you know, it was long rumored Activision was going to lay off a bunch of people. Um, and then it happened as they were, they sent out letters, uh, the, the heads of each Activision business. So Blizzard, Activision Publishing, and King, I think the leaders of each of those divisions sent out letters saying there will be layoffs. Uh, some of those notes were more detailed than others. The Blizzard one, for example, actually like seemed to really answer a lot of the questions, whereas the Activision Publishing one wasn't so much. It seemed to just say there will be layoffs and more details will come soon. Um, so th- this came as they were announcing their fa- their quarterly financials and their annual financials for fiscal year 2018, which ended, uh, you know, actually, okay, alongside the calendar year, December 31st. Um, it, what was happening here was we, we knew these cuts were coming. So then when the press, re- press release for the earnings came out, it was sort of a incongruous moment because the first thing you read in, in Bobby Kodak's quote 
in the press release, every press release they have, like he, he puts a quote in there. Most CEOs do, do this. Uh, his thing said to something to the effect of we had record financial results. Uh, the best we made more money ever, more money than ever. We uh, had our, the most revenues ever for any of our years in the history of Activision. Um, and so to go from that to then we are cutting 800 jobs. Uh, I think a lot of people rightful, rightfully were like, what the hell? What, what is this? Why are you doing this? How can you just cut 800 people loose when you have record revenues? Um, the reasoning uh, is that they missed on their forecast. They expected to make even more to, to set an even higher record. And they have a pretty pretty grim outlook for fiscal 2019. Uh, and that's because they aren't going to have a lot of new major releases. Um, they're going to have the games you expect. They're going to have a new call of duty, but they're not going to have like a new Warcraft expansion. And uh, they're probably not going to release any new Diablo game this year. And if Diablo Immortals coming out, they're probably not putting a lot of, um, of, of stock into like making a lot of money on that upfront. Cause they don't want to, they're, they're, they're probably still worried about the backlash. Um, but, they did just cut 800 jobs after setting record re- revenues. Um, and, you know, excuses aside, I, I don't know. I, I, I had my reaction to this, which was, it was a, it was kind of a fucking joke. Uh, but what do you guys think? Uh, it's pretty rough. I mean, it, I mean, it, it's, it's difficult for me because I have worked with a lot of these people at Blizzard and a lot of them who have lost their jobs. And it's, you know, especially on the Blizzard side, those people, they love working there. They really do feel like a team and a family. Uh, and just to kind of see, like, you know, see that not reciprocated in a way where, you know, if someone's family, you don't uh, cut off their livelihood just so that your outlook could look slightly better, I guess. Uh, it, it's it's a rough time. And it's interesting to see the fallout from this, which seems to be, and who knows how far it's going to go, it seems to be talks of unionizing is are picking up again. Rightfully so. And it's just, it's hard to imagine, like, what is the mentality of anybody working at Activision Blizzard now? Like, morale just has to be at such a staggering low. And it's, it's hard to imagine how it bounces back. Well, a, a couple hours ago, the AFL-CIO posted a piece on Kotaku basically saying, y'all are getting screwed over. You need to form a union because this is a disaster. Um, and it's pretty hard to argue with that. I mean, like, Whose fault is it that they did not achieve their financial expectations? Who's getting the bonus? Those are the same people. Who's announcing the record profits? Those are the same people. They're the ones setting the idea, and they're punishing other people for their failures when the success of the profit comes from the workers. Like, it's not the CEO who made those profits. It's the CEO who said that the profits should have been higher. Like, I don't know. Like, this seems to be a real cut-and-dried situation uh, that... Right. It, it's, like, it seems like there's no accountability for anybody but just, you know, employees. Yeah. And it's maybe not even accountability. It's just like, do they know that these 800 people were the ones who were responsible in some way? I strongly doubt that. I think. But uh, I mean, they, I mean, you, like, they look, look where they reward people. Like right now, they're just giving $15 million to attract a CFO uh, yeah. because they th- that's what they think is important to ensuring that their company continues to meet expectations uh, that they're, that they set. And, and, you know, and there's, there's, there is something about like wall street having their own expectations. Uh, but a lot of this just comes down to Activision said it would make more money than what it did. Um, and, and in other situations we have seen this play out differently. Um, and I, I guess the, the thing about Activision is, is that this has been like the best 
the best uh, the best situation for understanding why a union would be important because we know it could play out differently because we've seen it happen. Nintendo, the, the, the Satoru Iwata, uh, following the clear failure of the Wii U, cut his own pay. Uh, and he basically asked everyone else on the board and and the other leaders of the company to do the, to do the same, and they all did. They all agreed to. Shigeru Miyamoto did. Uh, everyone across the board uh, uh, at Nintendo took a pay cut so that they wouldn't have to lay anyone off. And in an interview about that, uh, Iwata said, I don't know how I could ask people to go make fun video games if they are going to look around and see their fellow employees get laid off or if they themselves are worried about getting laid off. Um, and you, you know why you want to like feels that way. Cause he came up from the bottom. Like he came up, like he was a, de- a developer. He fucking made the, uh, the swimming work in super Mario brothers. And, and so, so yeah, like he's a developer and he, went through that 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 whole program that whole uh, organization and ended up leading it and so that when he's on the top he can look back and say um you know i know what it's like to be in those trenches and actually doing that work and those are the people who are important to making us successful um but but then you have someone like you know uh, you know another example someone like john john riccatello he, he doesn't necessarily know what it's like uh he didn't necessarily come up through the the ranks in the way that iwata did um and then when ea was in a rough situation you know several years ago now i can't, I can't remember the exact time frame um you know after they tried to make uh, their all their big single player games work and they didn't quite sell as much as they were expecting uh the board basically fired him john riccatello ended up resigning but they basically said get out of here and they went for about a year without a ceo and during that time that is when they did their their job cuts and they were cutting stuff and they were restructuring but it was after firing the person at the top who screwed things up um so then when you have someone like bobby kodak who is both not someone who didn't definitely didn't come up through the ranks he just bought the company in 1991 uh with, with some other with some friends and has been running it ever since and someone that is um in a Riccatello situation, but not not just getting fired, not not taking a pay cut, but like giving bonuses out to people who are on his level, taking thirty million dollars in in a in salary from his company on top of whatever he's taking in um in uh in stock options, um, like th- this is the entire spectrum. This is what's possible for executives that run these companies to do. They could be a Nintendo, they could be an EA, in a in EA, and they could be an Activision. Um, the only way. The people that make games, the only way the workers could have a say and how this thing plays out for them in the future is to organize and get on the conversation and get a seat at the table so they could say, in the future, maybe you should behave more like Nintendo. They could just sit back and hope that happens. It has happened. Nintendo's done it. Sure. But the only way you get a, a say, the only way you get leverage to actually make sure that there's a, a better chance that happens in the future is if is through organization. And it just seems like the most obvious thing. And, and we've seen it work in film for literally decades, and it hasn't hurt the film industry at, at, at all. Like the indie film scene is, is bustling as much as ever. Um, people complain that maybe superheroes make too much money and they, and, and they take money away from other movies, but I... I see plenty of great movies being made all the time. No one seems to be hurting in that in that industry. Um, so it, it can the, work. The mid-level movies have sort of have sort of declined, and that's I, I right. don't blame superhero movies for that. But there is definitely a sort of blockbusterization that's similar to what's happened in video games. And I think right. a lot of that is more to do with the structure of the internet and how attention is given than anything. I don't think it has <laughs> anywhere the union is relevant. But uh, I, I think you're absolutely like, right. Yeah. When, when you talk about the different branches of Activision. Like, you have Blizzard, they print money with Overwatch, they print money with World of Warcraft, they print money with Hearthstone, you have Activision, which prints money with Call of Duty, and you have King, which, God, like, that's... 
how much money comes out of that. And it's like, if you are saying that you have these three major branches and all three of them are failing enough that they need to start getting cut, like what, what are the priorities here? Like where is, where are these analyses coming from? It's just absurd. And yes, like worker control is one way to help keep things, things in check, but just, I, I'm just still at the level of being baffled that they could consider themselves failing when they have all these things giving them as much money as any human could possibly want. And so uh, the, some other things happened, like when they made, announced their, um, their financials, um, they cut the 800 jobs and then they raised their dividend that they're paying out to stockholders by 9%. Um, it's just, just again, baffling, staggering, and uh, a joke. It's unbelievable that they could, like, it's it's clear that the way the incentive structure works here. You can work to make Activision a profitable company as one of their, as one of their developers and one of their workers, um, and your your job could be like cut unceremoniously because uh, they are worried about the future and about like whether or not uh, investors will feel incentivized to continue, you know, keeping the stock price high. Um, and one of the ways you can do that is just to give money directly to the to, the, to people who own stocks through uh, dividends. And then you know they also recently announced a two-year stock buyback program uh, where they will be buying stock back at you know a, a, an inflated price. Um, and this is something we've seen many companies do across the board, especially since the Trump tax cuts, uh, where the money that they got that everyone said they would save and save and put and invest in workers and invest in and expanding their companies and expanding <laughs> stuff has all gone back to the investors. Um, it's just gone directly to them through stock buybacks. And it, this is stuff. It's like, yeah, unions could definitely step up and have a say in how this stuff works, but a lot of this stuff's going to have to actually come down to legislation. Um, it's going to have to come down to, to regu- regulators stepping in and saying, actually these, these stock buybacks, um, maybe we need to put a little bit of a, 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 a you know a brake pedal on how these are working because this is just not uh, this is not the way the whole system is supposed to work. It's not always supposed to be all of the money always goes to the investors in every situation. Um, maybe maybe we could do things in a different way. I, there has been like some talk about that, but who knows? Um, Speed has decided on socialism. I should come back more often. It's just like eco. <laughs> <laughs> it's working yes. in our eco uh, game. Yeah, for sure. Um, God, I don't know. It's uh, This is a really demoralizing story, I think, just to cover it. So let alone, I can't imagine being at that company. Uh, ho- hopefully things work out. Hopefully things come out on the other end. I, I mean, I, and I really, I don't know what to say other than like the people at like uh, the Game Workers Unite who are trying to get Bobby Kotick fired. I, I mean, to me, that sounds right. Like, yeah, like yeah, right. if you're going to, if you're saying the company's failing so hard, we need to cut cut jobs and we're not going to make as much money because I didn't believe in games enough to get people like to like to invest in a way so that my, my, my company's had a way to have games ready for 2019 as the leader of the company. Maybe, maybe he should step aside. Like, of course he should. I, yeah. I don't know. Right. I mean, again, very, again, you have to imagine internally, like who, who working for them right now doesn't want him to step down. Right. After this. And you know, this is a couple months after Mike Morheim stepped down from Blizzard and Blizzard already like gutted heroes of the storm RIP uh, soon enough. Um, so like, yeah, that's, that whatever is going on in that company is it sounds like it's uh, pretty bloody. Blizzard is so interesting because just within a year, man, it just seems like it's gone from like they seem like they're at an all time high with Hearthstone and Overwatch like growing, and then now those have stagnated. BFA has kind of not been 
great, it seems like. It's, I mean, especially from what I hear as someone who plays it, a lot of people are unhappy with it. I don't know how that has translated financially. But then just, you know, then the Diablo thing and now this, uh, you know, Blizzard fans are very, I guess, I don't know, savvy is the word, but, you know, they're very, they're, they hear they hear everything, you know what I mean? So perception of Blizzard is just kind of, it, the perception is very much, oh, Activision's taking over and Blizzard's going to, Blizzard's like not going to be what it was. That's the perception. Mm-hmm. Thanks for showing up, Rowan. It was uh, really great to have you on the show. Yeah, you have a good one. All right. Mike, let's finish these news headlines, and then we'll get out of here ourselves. Um, uh, anything else to say on Activision, or should we move on from that, actually? Nah, I mean, it, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I, I, I mean, there was a couple other things that popped in head. Like, they're going to put uh, – the, the 800 people they're cutting are mostly coming from non-development jobs. They are people in, I guess – HR and in publishing side of right. uh, the I publishing mean, side of things. Um, it sounds like those jobs, like those people and those, um, those business de- like de- development units have been completely gutted, have been completely like there's one or two people left in uh, offices that had 12 to 25 people. Um, these are things I'm hearing secondhand, but that's, I mean, God, how do you, how do you do that? Like, how do you, and how do you be like the one or two people who have to show up, you know, on next week and just keep doing this job. Um, especially when you like, it feels like the leadership is just like, we're doubling down on call of duty again. Like that's our plan. It's like, okay. Like, oh, well, that means that's what we were doing before. So I don't know <laughs> right. what you expect us to do differently. Yeah. Um, just a weird situation that, uh, should not have happened. Probably. No, should not have. Uh, okay. So the next story is, uh, this is uh, like a slightly different legal story. It's about uh, Epic Games getting sued for having all those dances in their in their game in, in Fortnite. Uh, one of those dances was the Carlton uh, from Alfonso Ribeiro's character, Carl- Carlton on the Fresh Prince of uh, Bel-Air. You know, he does that funny side-to-side dance. They put it in Fortnite. Uh, he, was gonna, uh, he is suing Epic Games for using that dance, uh, but part of that process was him uh, trying to copyright the dance with the U.S. Copyright and Trademark Office. Um, that, that organization has now gotten back and said that he can't copyright that dance uh, because it is not a, like, it is just a dance move, and it is not like a full um, uh, uh, choreography. It's not like a, four, a full choreographical uh, thing that people perform. Uh, it's just a move, and it would be like uh, copywriting a word instead of a sentence or like a poem or something this like that. It's probably going to hurt his case against Blizzard. Or so, so yeah, Blizzard, it, it definitely is going to hurt his case, uh, especially, yeah, like for like the copyright side of things. Right. Uh, but it, it does sound like from the beginning, the lawyers have been also trying to make this a case about likeness rights, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, the reason Tom Cruise's face is never in a video game because he never gives up his likeness rights. Um, but likeness rights covers way more than just the, like the face. It covers like how people, anything, anything that is like, very much identifiable with you is something that you could consider your own likeness rights and that you would have legal rights over. Um, and that's something you don't necessarily need to copyright. It's, it's yours, uh, by, by it's like naturally yours. So the reason that might be a problem for Epic games is because Epic one for one copied each of these dances. They t- took videos of the dances and then made their characters do exactly that. Um, uh, by by just like you know mimicking frame by frame everything that's happening, and so the the Carlton dance looks exactly like the way Alfonso Ribeiro, R- however you say his name, exactly how he does it, um, and 
you know, there's a lot of personality that goes into the way, to, to the way that people dance and the way that people move. Um, like they, you know, they say that people's gates, the way you walk is completely unique to you, um, as, as unique as a fingerprint. Uh, and you got to imagine that your gait is, is very much involved in the way you dance. And I, I, I think that the, uh, the lawyers still have a pretty strong case on that front. Um, as long as they don't try to make it too much about copyright. Cause I think the copyright angle is going to be a dead end for them. Um, uh, you know, but beyond this, uh, I think a story came out on Waypoint last week. Uh, I can't remember the author, but it was like, you know, this goes beyond sort of the legal realm, and it's sort of about it, it's about ethics and about like what kind of company would profit off of creative people, especially many of these are are black creatives, and you're going to take their stuff that they've done and that they've made popular, and now you're going to make money off of that, and that's a pretty bad look. So I I don't know if Epic is the kind of company that responds to that sort of argument. It does seem to me like they just want to. Um, they want to fight this and they want to win in court and have the right to continue to do this. Cause they think, I think they think they're right. So uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, and then the, the last story, this one's about the division two, uh, how it, you know, it was supposed to come out to, to steam and then Ubisoft made a deal with Epic games to bring it to the Epic games launcher alongside Fortnite. Um, and you know, that's just on PC. Uh, so, so if you want to get the division two, you could get it on right now. You could pre-order on Epic games or on Uplay, uh, but not on steam and steam is by far the largest store. Uh, and the reason this is interesting is because apparently according to Ubisoft, the division two has more PC pre-orders than the original game did, uh, despite not coming out on steam. So that means it's it, at least, uh, you know, according to what they're saying and uh, not being on steam is not posing a problem for this game. Um, you know, this is just, you know, it's just one game, but I mean, to me, I, th- I would think that like not coming out on steam probably, probably would hurt most games. Um, so I, I don't know if the, this is like something that we can like extrapolate from and say, okay, coming out on steam is no longer necessary for most games to, to succeed. Or is this just like an outlier where, you know, comparing to the first division, the division two is automatically, automatically going to do better. And if it was on steam, it would do even like, it, like that much more, because uh, it's getting well, exposed to that it, many more. It people. certainly helps that it's a big game, right? So some people are going to follow it to an extent, but it definitely sends out a message to other games of this level, like why go to Steam and get make less money per sale if you can just go to Epic Games and look, it didn't hurt us. It probably won't hurt you either. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. Um, I, I do know that like when Metro Exodus, a game that's coming out exclusive to uh, the Epic Games launcher very soon. Uh, it was on Steam. The, re- the pre-orders were up on Steam for a very long time. And when uh, the developer, uh, uh, or the publisher, I'm sorry, Deep Silver, when they said, okay, we're actually taking this game to uh, Epic Games and it's not going to be on Steam, at least for the first year, um, they still left pre-orders up on Steam for a day. And they said they were going to honor all those pre-orders and they would be fine. The game on Steam immediately shot to number one in terms of like the best seller list. So it's like, people are like, would rather just get their game there and spend the money now than, than follow it to Epic games. So it's like, I still think like there is, um, we're getting conflicting reports of what's happening here. I feel like, uh, and, and maybe metrics is, isn't on the level of something like the division two. And maybe that's what it is. Um, but I think it's probably it's probably a combination of factors where it's like hey, if you could come out on Steam and Epic Games and everything else, uh, that's probably your best bet. Unless Epic is giving you enough money to skip Steam, in which case, okay, you'll be fine. Uh, I mean, things are Epic changing, is, and yeah, it's, it's going to take a little bit to see kind of where where all the pieces land here. Yep, exactly. Yeah, interesting times. Um, I think that's going to do it for us, though, Mike. So uh, why don't we go ahead and start wrapping up? Um, 
I'm glad to be back, though. It was uh, it's hectic now having multiple children. I can tell you it's that bad. much, Mike. Are you still just? Are you still just keep? Are you gonna get a babysitter now, or is it still just you and the kids? So the plan is, um, right now, you know, Steph's on on you know maternity leave for the next couple of weeks, so she's gonna be with the kids right now while I am working for uh, the next couple of weeks. When Steph goes back to school, I'm gonna take the rest of my paternity leave at that point, which is gonna be a little bit longer than the last one, um, and then I will come back and then the, 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 when that's done summer should be here steph will have school off then and then next fall is when we're gonna get uh daycare um okay, yeah, we're, we're actually looking out. at maybe putting emmy into uh preschool uh pretty early and that would that might be the best bet but at the very least we're gonna have daycare and then i will not be losing my mind all the time although it's been <laughs> not really complaining um all right mike why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet uh, you can find me at uh games beats always writing there especially about retro games, which is my favorite thing to write about. That's on the retro beat every week. It was funny. My, my, I wrote the uh, Wednesday. I was in France, actually, last week, which is another reason why we did the podcast kind of uh, later. I just got back uh, yeah, today or yesterday. My time is all out of whack. But while I was there, I wrote a retro beat. I was like, uh, Tales of Vesperia is the best JRPG you can get on the Switch. And I literally wrote that the day Nintendo would do the <laughs> surprise drop of Final Fantasy IX. I'm like, well, that's immediately not true anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know I know you're a big fan of Final Fantasy IX. I love Final Fantasy IX. But Tales of Vesperia has been very good. So I do, I do recommend it. So. But yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Tolkoto, T-O-L-K-O-T-O. And I also do the Exploding Bro podcast with my brother at ebpodcast.com. And I am Jeff Grubb on Twitter and also on Twitch. And then on uh, YouTube, it's youtube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb. Um, there's a bunch of games coming out like right now that I want to stream. I think I probably will play Anthem before anything yeah, else because try that I, I hear it sounds like the final product really pulled things together, especially compared to that let's, demo. Let's so. try to jump in on that player tonight, maybe. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. All right, everybody, we're going to go. The music's playing loud. Goodbye. Ooh. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.